I would say don't give up. I'd say if you're passionate about mobile home parks or you're passionate about gaining your, your wealth or having actually income, if you look at you know 200 deals, you're actually going to get a lot of education, but don't give up. Welcome to the Source of Commercial Real Estate podcast, where we talk to the experts in all asset classes of commercial real estate. Listen so you can grow your wealth, expand your portfolio, improve your mindset, and live an amazing life. And now, your host, Jonathan Hayek. Welcome to the Source of Commercial Real Estate, where we talk to the experts in commercial real estate so you can grow your business, find a competitive advantage, and use real estate to live the life that you want. I am your host, Jonathan Hayek, and today I am talking with Walter Johnson of Sonos Capital, and we are talking about mobile home park investing. Walter isn't just at the helm of Sonos Capital's strategic vision. He's been a trailblazer in the real estate investing world since 2002. He's a board member of the Manufactured Housing Communities of Arizona and the City of Mesa, Arizona Affordable Housing Manufactured Housing Division. He has practical advice that we look forward to hearing from today. He will endeavor to demystify mobile home park investing for us. And uh, beyond real estate, Walter is dedicated to giving back. He is involved with Feed My Starving Children, the Boys and Girls Club, Salvation Army, Ronald McDonald House, and um, this just showcases his commitment to the community. Walter, it's a pleasure to have you here. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you for hosting me. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. You have a wealth of knowledge in your niche. Why don't we get started by you telling us about your background, how you got started in real estate, and what your work looks like today? Yes, yeah. So how I got started, I got started, I got started, I had a mentor in, in Southern California. He he had a mortgage broker's office and he actually bought a lot of real estate. So I used to go to his office uh, probably 4.35 every day and just listen to him. His name was Ed Garcia. And so, you know, he was, he was Italian. So he had this, you know, Robert De Niro type voice. So when he spoke, it was almost like he was screaming at me. So I really paid attention to what he was saying. And I, I did that for, for months, I would say about six or eight months. And then I went to visit my cousin in Arizona. Uh, he got a job at Intel and I came out to celebrate. And, you know, I picked up a newspaper, you know, we had those at the time. And I looked at the newspaper and seeing houses in Arizona were $80,000. So and at the time, the average house in Southern California was 400000 So I moved out three days later with about set, about 700 bucks to my name and, and grinded. And yeah, bought my first place in 2002 and bought my first apartment building in 2003. So that's, that's kind of how it worked out. I would say, you know, when I came out here, no money. I bought my first investment property while I was still living in an apartment. So it was it was definitely a definitely a struggle to get my first investment property, but I did it. Cool. So now you're involved in Sonos Capital. You're the founder. You're the visionary. So tell me about what or who Sonos Capital is, and what are you working on these days? So Sonos Capital it's actually a real estate fund that's strictly is it just in mobile home parks. I bought my first mobile home park in 2017. I actually, I, I double escorted. So I, I 
uh, flipped it and then bought it back a year later for a million dollars more because I've seen the opportunities. And so currently right now we're looking at buying uh, parks in about 13 states. Cool. So tell me about your buy box. Are you, you know, looking for stabilized assets? Are you value add? Tell me about the markets that you're interested in and and kind of where you're buying and what you're looking for. I, I look for value add because there's so much opportunity in value adds with the the stress on affordable housing. So I look for uh, parks that actually have a lower occupancy that are not full. I don't look for the parks that actually are stabilized and, and have you know, 80 to 90% occupancy. And in what markets are you looking at? Are you buying in Arizona? You, I think you mentioned 13 states. So what part of the country are you looking at and, and why? Yeah, so the Southwest and the Bible Belt areas. Uh, so yes, including in Arizona. We actually are uh, in escrow with a 102 space park here in Arizona. Is there a sweet spot for the size of park that you're looking for? Is there something that's too small? Is there a park that's too large? What What's the ideal size for you? Yeah, so I, I would say, if, if, just based on my experience, I would you know shy away from the twenty or thirty space parks. I like to go for forty and plus. We're actually looking at a four park portfolio in Texas. Uh, that's actually about 550 spaces total. But to to, to really dive down, it's, it's usually about 80 spaces and up. And tell me what what makes for a great deal today. It's really tough out there. So what sort of what sort of deals are are falling within your buy box? What makes for a great mobile home park deal today? So I think that in in today's market, today's climate, I think that the the deals are seller financing due to the interest rates from from banks and, and institutions. I think that low occupancy and and something I would say with, for lack of better words, right now with a little bit of hair on them, because because in those those particular you know opportunities, there there lies value add. What's a value add look for look like in a mobile home park? Is it simply filling? filling vacancy or what, what does value add look like in a mobile home park? So, so one, so I'll take example for this, this park that, that we're looking at, they're not building back water and sewer. And I think it's about $40,000 a year that the actual owner's paying. And, you know, at a you know, 10 cap, let's just say, or, you know, that's about $400,000 in value add. Not to mention that the rents are about 50 bucks lower than the surrounding parks. Those are two of value adds. And the park is actually about 60% occupied. So when you combine those, you actually do have some, some value add opportunities. Yeah, and perfect. We're talking about, I would say we're talking about millions. You had mentioned earlier seller financing being a real yeah. sweet spot for getting deals done. What's the interest like in seller financing? I've always had huge issues, you know, real challenges in trying to get sellers to finance deals. I know the mobile home park space, it's a little more common. So are sellers willing to finance deals right now? What's that looking like for you? Yes. Yes. I think it's actually more, it's it's more active in mobile home parks regarding seller financing than actually any other commercial space. And the reason being is because... Park owners are used to seller financing because 
you know, lenders, it's, you know, fairly, relatively new to, you know, get financing in a mobile home park. So I think sellers are actually more adapt to do seller financing. And what sort of sellers are you targeting? It sounds like you're looking for mostly off-market deals. So are you targeting institutions? Are you targeting more mom and pop sellers? What sort of deals are you targeting? I like mom and pops. And and here's the here's the kind of the 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 secret sauce I would, you know, let your viewers know about is that when you're dealing with mom and pops, there's actually more wiggle room for, for price. When you're usually, and I'm going to say usually when you're dealing with brokers, it's, it's, you're, you're paying retail, so to speak, right? Because they want to extract as much value as possible. When you're dealing with a mom and pop, they're actually more flexible with their pricing terms. And how are you targeting the parks that you're interested? Are you, are you buying lists? Are you doing your own research? What, how do you how do you target the parks that that you're going after? Uh, I I I don't buy a list. I actually, you can go to a title company and actually ask for a a you know a, a list. I would say for for park owners, that's one. And then I do direct mail and, and cold call, and I do it myself. I actually don't have a team because I like to. I would say I like to actually get to know the the park owner, the seller, and build a rapport with them. And once you build a rapport with them, it's they they tend to actually be more flexible with with price and and kind of you know with you you know getting the deal versus a, a broker. What are some deal breakers? If you look at a deal, look at a park, what would cause you to no longer be interested in a certain deal? You know, if the park is too small, that's one. Two is that if it actually has a leech fill or, or a lagoon. Those are the the three major deal breakers for me. Do you buy exclusively parks on city services like city sewer, city water? No, actually, I I my first park actually was private utilities, and it's not a in my experience it, it wasn't as as you know for lack for better words a headache as as most people would believe. Your expense goes up a little bit, about five or six percent. However you you can there's still deals so no i i I don't shy away from private utilities yeah it seems like i've always thought i've never bought a mobile home park but it's always seemed like there'd be an opportunity with private utilities because when i hear mobile home park investors they always talk about only wanting city services city utilities so my mind my contrarian mind goes to well I wonder if there's opportunity in all of the other parks that are not on city services. So it sounds like right. you go there as well. Yes. I mean, if in a sense, if you own a, a private, it's a private utility. So actually you own the, the utilities and you actually get billed by the, by the fire company. And there's times, you know, in the summertime to where you actually have a utility bill, fifteen, seventeen thousand $17,000 a month. And you actually have to cover that and recoup it from the tenants. So that's that's one I would say issue that that you know uh, operators can encounter. However, if you keep the uh, the Leechville clean, the the pumps up up and running. One thing that I actually I I implemented was when you actually have the, the the pumps. Usually they're about one to two horsepower, and those are the ones that actually are, are really finicky because they don't. Let's say they don't do a good a job. You know when when people are. You know, the homeowners are putting dolls and, and 
you know, diapers and, and balloons down the toilets. But what I found out is that if you go to the five or six horsepower pumps, it does a better job. It cuts down the, the uh, CapEx. So can you talk a little bit more about due diligence? It seems like that's from a hard lesson learned, the different size of the the pumps. What other sorts of due diligence items are you making sure that you cover when you're looking at a park? You can go from due diligence from the police reports. How many times have the police actually been to the property? Tax returns are huge. A lot of mom and pops actually write down the, the rent rolls and they, they don't use necessarily, a, I would say, software. The majority of them don't. So getting rent rolls, tax returns, I get the last three-year tax returns, you get the bills, the utility bills. Those are due diligence that, that I go for. Yeah, Walter, you had mentioned earlier that you've got a fund, Sonos Capital is raising a fund exclusively for mobile home parks. So can you talk about kind of your decision process of having a fund versus just a single property syndication? Well, that is actually a, a great question. The reason why I say that I created the fund and and, and the reason why I, I created the fund, this is something that, that my one of my mentors advised me of is that if you actually have, let's just say you, you, you went into you know, an investment with a, a few investors and one of the investors passed away. Now their spouse actually wants the, the equity out of that, that particular park. Well, a fund actually spells it out to where you actually have to keep the, you know, the fund running for X amount of time. And so it, it creates a, uh, I would say, more of a guideline than just going out and getting investors. This particular fund, you know, I, I would say it's raising a ton of capital by multiple parks in multiple states. However, I think that syndication is just one fund, you know, for one park is actually sufficient. I don't, I don't see any problem with that. I just went this route. Yeah. And so let's talk about capital raising. I mean, how how is capital raising for the fund going? What is limited partner sentiment out there like? It's going great. I mean, it's it's a lot of investors and credit investors that I actually I speak to are really receptive to mobile home parks. Now, it's mobile home parks. I think everyone can almost everyone can can say that they seen one or they probably knew someone that actually lived in one and they're really popular. They just had a stigma. But once I would say, once you actually educate a, a, a potential investor, they're perfectly fine with investing in a park, especially with the returns that parks offer. Walter, in your bio, I mentioned that you're on a couple committees local to Arizona and Mesa. Can you talk about kind of, your motivation for being on those committees? Why are you on it? What does it what does it do for you, your reputation, your business? Yeah, so I when I first bought my my park, I had I, I studied parks for three years every day. I got the list from brokers because that's what I knew, and I just studied them. And so when I first bought my park, I didn't I had no clue about the lease agreements. The, the uh, park rules. So I, I went into uh, our manufacturer housing association in Arizona and I was clueless. They will tell you it was like a deer in the headlights. 
And so I, I, I evolved into actually learning as much as possible as rules and regulations and, and rents. And they actually had a position open and I applied for it and got it and got accepted. And they said, Walter, we definitely remember you. You came in here. You were so new. You were green, you know, a virgin at mobile home parks and we love to have you. So that's how I got accepted. And then that spun off to the city of Mesa. They actually needed a, a board member for the manufacturer housing uh, division. And I applied for that and got accepted. And so being on these committees, is it, I assume it's volunteer work. What's your motivation for being on these committees? Do you, do you suggest that others do it? Does it add to your network and relationships? What does it do for you? I would 100% advise anyone that's in uh, manufactured housing that has interest in it, I would advise them to actually join their, their association. It actually helps because it actually keeps the, I would say keeps the, the parks affordable and keeps it, yeah, I would say keeps it affordable and actually keeps the parks in the public limelight. Yeah. So Walter, as we continue on in our conversation, I have a few more questions as we head towards the tail end of our conversation. First one, what's the best deal that you've ever done? Ooh, okay. So I'll tell you about the best deal and the worst deal. This is good. I'm glad you, I would say the best deal that I actually ever did was a seller financing deal. It was a mom and pop. They owned it for since I would say about 12 years and they needed out the the, the husband was actually uh, suffering from dementia and the wife, they needed to sell. And so I got that park, I think it was like $100,000 down and it generated $1,000 a day. So that was actually a great park. That, that was, I did really well on that park. However, I would say there was a park in Phoenix. It was, I think it was 2012, 2013, right around there. And it was really in Phoenix, like the city of Phoenix. And it was $390,000 and it was grossing $45,000 a month. And I didn't know anything about parks and I didn't, I didn't, you know, buy that park. I didn't pull the trigger. So those are my, I would say my good and bad deals. What are your, take that first deal, that best deal that you did. What's your, what's your biggest lesson or best takeaway from that one? I would say the biggest takeaway on that is, you know, for, for, myself or anyone that's looking at parks is actually know the park, know the, 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 the manager, know your tenants. I wouldn't necessarily say that you're the owner. I would say you're part of management, but I would, I would be really involved in the park. And how about that? Your worst deal. It sounds like it was a deal that got away. It was yeah. maybe a great deal. You didn't know your numbers enough. What were, what's your biggest takeaway from that one? Uh, if, if you come across, if someone actually comes across with a park, with a, a park that's, that seems like a deal, uh, reach out to anyone that actually has experience. Uh, you can actually give me a call more than, you know, and, and I would, I would, you know, help you underwrite the deal, but there are actually opportunities, but it's it, at times it can be difficult to actually know what an opportunity is at first. Right. What's your top tip for finding deals right now? Hmm. Mailers, cold calls. I don't do necessarily postcards or flyers. I actually do handwritten, not handwritten, but uh, letters instead of postcards or you know flyers. And do you use a mailing service for that, or are you doing stuff doing mailers in house? No, I would actually use a, a, a local 
mailing house. Yes, I've been using a mailing house since 2004. And it, it actually works, yes. And I would build a, a reputation with a, a mailing house. What's your top tip for raising capital right now? I would say friends and family first. I would say learn how to public speak, or, or if you can, get rid of that fear. And I would, I would practice as much as possible. If you could 10x a certain part of your business, what would it be? It would be either this, this is a part of your business that's either the most lucrative for you, maybe it's the most passive for you, maybe it's where you feel like your strengths are. If you could 10x one part of your business, what would you do? It would be actually having another copy version of me. That's what <laughs> actually what I would do, right? Yes. And why is that? Because I, I, I learned so much in the mobile home park space, and it's really difficult to actually teach that that passion and that the the education. It just takes years, and so I would I would probably have a clone of myself. <laughs> clone yourself, nice. Is there a book, a podcast, a YouTube channel, any kind of resource that you would recommend to listeners that you're super into right now? Yes, I would say for for I would say for mobile home parks for individuals that actually go to their association, it's a lot of information that you can actually learn about mobile home parks. That's where I would start. As far as a book, no, I I probably have I kid you not, I probably have about thirteen hundred books, and a lot of them are in real estate. I would confidently say that a lot of them did teach me about real estate. It was a you know experience as a best teacher. So I would I would just dive into it and learn as much as you can from you know somebody that that you may know that actually is in the space. Walter, is there anything that we didn't talk about today that you want the listeners to know either about mobile home park investing, about Sonos Capital, yourself personally? I would say don't give up. I'd say if you're passionate about mobile home parks or you're passionate about gaining your, your wealth or having actually income. If you look at, you know, 200 deals, you're actually going to get a lot of education, but don't give up. Great advice. Finally, if listeners want to reach out to you, learn more about you, where would you like to send listeners to? Yeah. So you can actually, you know, email me at Walter at sonoscapital.com or actually give me a call in my office. I'd be more than happy to, to, to talk to anyone about this space. I love this space. It, it's a, more of a community-based investment. So I, I really, really enjoy what I'm doing. Uh, or you can reach it. My phone number is 480-674-2035. Perfect. Walter's contact info will be in the show notes. It is in the show notes right now as you're listening to this. Walter, thank you so much for joining me today. This was a great conversation about mobile home park investing. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, thank you for having me again. Listeners, if you enjoyed this conversation, feel free to reach out to either one of us. We are we love commercial real estate investing and we'd love to talk to you about it. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, take care. This content is for entertainment and informational purposes only. It is not financial advice and it is not an invitation to buy or sell real estate or make any investment decisions.